Cavern Communications Network is proud to present a lightly adapted for the Cavern version of the Lewis Carroll classic, Alice in Wonderland. Produced by Ribby Odegui and Vera Loon, our international cast of Cavern players brings you this special Cavern Today Easter offering. In six parts for your download convenience, this is the first act. Acting and narration credits will be read at the conclusion of the last act. We hope you enjoy this sure-to-be classic UU fan presentation. What is the use of a book without pictures or conversation? So she was considering in her own mind, as well as she could, for the hot day made her feel very sleepy and stupid, whether the pleasure of making a daisy chain would be worth the trouble of getting up and picking the daisies, when suddenly a white rabbit with pink eyes ran close by her. Oh dear, oh dear, I shall be late. In another moment, down went Alice after it, never once considering how in the world she was to get out again. The rabbit hole went straight on like a tunnel for some way, and then dipped suddenly down, so suddenly that Alice had not a moment to think about stopping herself before she found herself falling down a very deep well. It was too dark to see anything. Then she looked at the sides of the well, 
and noticed that they were filled with cupboards and bookshelves. Here and there she saw maps and pictures hung upon pegs. She took down a jar from one of the shelves as she passed. It was labeled, but to her great disappointment it was Orange Marmalade. Empty. She did not want to drop the jar for fear of killing someone, so she managed to put it into one of the cupboards as she fell past well, it. After such a fall as this, I shall think nothing of tumbling downstairs. How brave they'll think me at home. Why, I wouldn't say anything about it, even if I fell off the top of a house. I wonder how many miles I've fallen this time. I must be getting somewhere near the center of the earth. Let me see. That would be four thousand miles down, I think. Yes, that's about the right distance. But then I wonder what latitude or longitude I've got to. I wonder if I shall fall right through the earth. How funny it'll seem to come out among the people that walk with their heads downward. The Antithopes, I think. But I shall have to ask them what the name of the country is, you know. Please, ma'am, is this New Zealand or Australia? And she tried to curtsy as she spoke. Fancy curtsying as you're falling through the air. Do you think you could manage it? And what an ignorant little bot he'll think me for asking. No, it'll never do. Perhaps I shall see it written up somewhere. Dinah will miss me very much tonight. I should think. I hope they'll remember her saucer of milk at tea time. Dinah, my dear, I wish you were down here with me. There are no mice in the air, I'm afraid. But you might catch a bat. And that's very like a mouse, you know. But do cats eat bats? I wonder. Do cats eat bats? Do cats eat bats? And sometimes, do bats eat cats? Alice was not a bit hurt, and she jumped up onto her feet in a moment. She looked up, but it was all dark overhead. Before her was another long passage, and the white rabbit was still in sight, hurrying down it. There was not a moment to be lost. Away went Alice like the wind. And was just in time to hear it say, as it turned a corner, "Oh my ears, this is how late this gets me!" She was close behind it when she turned the corner, but the rabbit was no longer to be seen. She found herself in a long, low hall, which was lit up by rows of lamps hanging from the roof. Suddenly, she came upon a little three-legged table, all made of solid glass. There was nothing on it except a tiny golden key. And Alice's first thought was that it might belong to one of the doors of the hall, but alas, either the locks were too large, or the key was too small. But at any rate, it would not open any of them. However, on her second time round, she came upon a low curtain she had not noticed before, and behind it was a little door about fifteen inches high. She tried the little golden key in the lock, and to her great delight, it fit. Alice opened the door and found that it led into a small passage, not much larger than a rat hole. She knelt down and looked along the passage into the loveliest garden you ever saw. How she longed to get out of that dark hall and wander about among those beds of bright flowers and those cool fountains! But she could not even get her head through the doorway. And even if my head could go through. It would be of very little use without my shoulders. Oh, how I wish I could shut up like a telescope! 
I think I could, if only I knew how to begin. For you see, so many out-of-the-way things had happened lately, that Alice had begun to think that very few things indeed were really impossible. There seemed to be no use in waiting by the little door, so she went back to the table, half hoping she might find another key on it, or at any rate a linking book for shutting people up like telescopes. This time she found a little bottle on the table. Which was certainly not here before. Drink me. No, I'll look first and see whether it's marked poison or not. For she had read several nice little histories about children who had gotten burnt, and eaten up by wild beasts, and other unpleasant things, all because they would not remember the simple rules their friends had taught them, such as that a red-hot poker will burn you if you hold it too long, and that if you cut your finger very deeply with a knife, it usually bleeds. And she had never forgotten that, if you drink much from a bottle marked poison, it is almost certain to disagree with you sooner or later. However, this bottle was not marked poison, so Alice ventured to taste it, and finding it very nice, cherry tart, custard, pineapple, roast turkey, coffee, and hot buttered toast. What a curious feeling! I must be shutting up like a telescope. And so it was indeed. She was now only ten inches high, and her face brightened up at the thought that she was now the right size for going through the little door into that lovely camo garden. First, however, she waited for a few minutes to see if she was going to shrink any further. She felt a little nervous about this. And for it might end, you know, in my going out altogether like a candle. I wonder what I should be like then. And she tried to fancy what the flame of a candle is like after the candle is blown out, for she could not remember ever having seen such a thing. After a while, finding that nothing more happened, she decided on going into the camel garden at once. But, alas for poor Alice, when she got to the door, she found she had forgotten the little golden key. And when she went back to the pedestal table for it, she found she could not possibly reach it. She could see it quite plainly through the glass, and she tried her best to climb up one of the legs of the table, but it was too slippery, and when she had tired herself out with trying, the poor little thing sat there and cried. But it's no use now. Soon her eye fell on a little glass box that was lying under the table. She opened it and found in it a very small cake on which the words Eat me were beautifully marked in currants. Well, I'll eat it, and if it makes me grow larger, I can reach the key. And if it makes me grow smaller, I can climb up the pedestal book. So either way, I'll get to Gera, and I don't care which happens. Which way? Which way? Holding her hand on the top of her head to feel which way it was growing, she was quite surprised to find that she remained the same size. To be sure, this generally happens when one eats cake, but Alice had gotten so much into the way of expecting nothing but 
out-of-the-way things to happen, that it seemed quite dull and stupid for life to go on in the common way. So she set to work, and very soon finished off the cake. Like the largest telescope that ever was. Goodbye, feet. Oh, my poor little feet. I wonder who will put on your shoes and stockings for you now, dears. I'm sure I shan't be able. I shall be a great deal too far off to trouble myself about you. You must manage the best way you can. But I must be kind to them, or perhaps they won't walk the way I want to go. Let me see. I'll give them a new pair of boots every Christmas. They must go by carrier. And how funny it'll seem, sending presents to one's own feet. And how odd the directions will look. Alice's right foot, Esquire. Hearth rug, near the fender, with Alice's love. Oh dear, what nonsense I'm talking. Just then her head struck against the roof of the hall. In fact, she was now more than nine feet high and she at once took up the little golden key and hurried off to the garden door. Poor Alice! It was as much as she could do, lying down on one side, to look through into the garden with one eye. But to get through was more hopeless than ever. She sat down and began to cry again. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, a great bot like you, to go on crying this way. Stop this moment, I tell you. But she went on all the same, shedding gallons of tears, until there was a large pool all round her, about four inches deep, and reaching halfway down the hall. After a time, she heard a little pattering of feet in the distance, and she hastily dried her eyes to see what was coming. It was the white rabbit returning, splendidly dressed, with a pair of white kid gloves in one hand, and a large fan in the other. He came trotting along in a great hurry, muttering to himself oh, as he came. Oh, the Duchess, the Duchess, oh, won't she be savage if I've kept her waiting? Alice felt so desperate that she was ready to ask help of anyone. So, 
When the rabbit came near her, she began in a low, timid voice. If you please, sir. The rabbit started violently, dropped the white kid gloves and the fan, and scurried away into the darkness as hard as he could go. Dear, dear, how queer everything is today, and yesterday things went on just as usual. I wonder if I've been changed in the night. Let me think. Was I the same when I got up this morning? I almost think I can remember feeling a little differently. But if I'm not the same, the next question is, who in the world am I? That's the great puzzle. I'm sure I'm not Ada, for her hair grows in such long ringlets, and mine doesn't go in ringlets at all. And I'm sure I can't be Mabel, for I know all sorts of things, and she, oh, she knows so very little. Besides, she, she, and I'm I, and oh dear, how puzzling it all is. I'll try if I know all the things I used to know. Let me see. Four times five is twelve, and four times six is thirteen, and four times seven is... Oh dear, I shall never get to twenty at that rate. However, the multiplication table doesn't signify. Let's try geography. London is the capital of Paris, and Paris is the capital of Rome, and Rome... Oh, that's all wrong, I'm certain. I must have been changed for Mabel. I'll try and say, how doth the little... How doth the little crocodile improve his shining tail, and pour the waters of the Nile on every golden scale? How cheerfully he seems to grin, how neatly spread his claws, and welcome little fishes in with gentle smiling jaws. I'm sure those are not the right words. I must be Mabel after all, and I shall have to go and live in that pokey little software factory, and have next to no toys to play with, and oh, ever so many digital lessons to learn. No, I've made up my mind about it. If I'm Mabel, I'll stay down here. It'll be no use putting their heads down and saying, Come up again, dear. I shall only look and say, Who am I then? Tell me that first, and then, if I like being that person, I'll come up. If not, I'll stay down here till I'm somebody else. But, oh dear, I do wish they would put their heads down. I'm so very tired of being alone here. As she said this, she looked down at her hands, and was surprised to see that she had put on one of the rabbit's little white kid gloves while she was talking. How can I have done that? I must be growing small again. She got up and went to the table to measure herself by it, and found that, as nearly as she could guess, she was now about two feet high, and was going on shrinking rapidly. She soon found out the cause of this was the fan she was holding, and she dropped it hastily, just in time to avoid shrinking away altogether. That was a narrow escape. A good deal frightened at the sudden change, but very glad to find herself still in existence. And now for the garden. And she ran with all speed back to the little door. But alas, it was shut again, and the little golden key was lying on the glass table. And things before. are worse than ever. "'for I was never so small as this before, never, "'and I declare it's too bad that it is.' "'As she said these words, her foot slipped, "'and she linked the tavern hood fountain. "'Splash! "'She was up to her chin in salt water. "'Her first idea was that she had somehow fallen into the sea. "'And in that case I can go back by railway,' she said to herself. "'You see, 
Alice had been to the seaside once in her life, and had come to the general conclusion that, wherever you go on the English coast, you will find a number of bathing machines in the sea, some children digging in the sand with wooden spades, then a row of lodging houses, and behind them a railway station. However, she soon made out that she was, indeed, in the pool of tears which she had wept when she was nine feet high. I wish I hadn't cried so much. I shall be punished for it now, I suppose, by being drowned in my own tears. That'll be a queer thing, to be sure. However, everything is queer today. Would it be of any use now to speak to this mouse? Everything is so out of the way down here that I should think it very likely it can talk. At any rate, there's no harm in trying. Oh, mouse, do you know the way out of this pool? I'm very tired of swimming here. Oh, mouse, a mouse of a mouse to a mouse, a mouse. Oh, mouse, perhaps it doesn't understand English. I dare say it's a French mouse. Come over here with William the Conqueror. Oh, a machot. Oh, I beg your pardon. I quite forgot you don't like cats. Not like cats? Would you like cats if you were me? Well, perhaps not. Don't be angry about it. And yet I wish I could show you our cat, Dinah. I think you'd take a fancy to cats, if you could only see her. She's such a dear, quiet thing, and she sits purring so nicely by the fire, <laughs> licking her paws and watching her face, and she is such a nice, soft thing to nurse, and she's such a capital one for catching mice. Oh, I beg your pardon. We won't talk about her any more if you'd rather Please, not. As if I would talk on such a subject. Oh, family always hated cats, nasty, low, vulgar things. Don't let me hear the name again. I won't indeed. Are, are you fond of dogs? There is such a nice little dog near our house. I would like to show you a little bright-eyed terrier, you know, with oh such long curly brown hair. And it'll fetch things when you throw them, and it'll sit up and beg for its dinner, and all sorts of things. I can't remember half of them. And it belongs to a farmer, you know. And he says it's so useful. It's worth a hundred pounds. He says it'll kill all the rats. And, oh dear, I think I've offended it again. Found it advisable to go with Edgar Atheling to meet William and offer him the crown. Come back and we won't talk about cats or dogs if you don't like them. It was high time to go, for the pool was getting quite crowded with the birds and the animals that had fallen into it. There was a duck and a dodo, a lorry and an eaglet, and several other curious creatures there. Alice led the way, and the whole party swam to the shore. <laughs> 